The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab episode 904 for Monday, December 13th, 2021. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found. You send all that in to feedback at MacGeekCab.com. We here process all of that. We try to answer your questions and then we take the rest of the stuff, including your questions, mix it together, string it into an agenda that we loosely follow and enjoy some tangential excursions therefrom. Uh, and the goal is that each of us, you, me, Mr. John F. Braun, each of us, we learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Imperfect Foods, where promo code MGG saves you 20% off your first four orders. Truebill.com slash MGG, where you can save thousands for year per year. Coinbase.com slash MGG, where you can get 10 bucks in free Bitcoin. Go get that. And then barebones.com where you can go get BB Edit 14. We'll talk more in depth about each and every one of those shortly here. For now, as usual, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How goes it today, Mr. John F. Braun? Uh, not too bad. All right. Hey, I have a thing, man. Um, I, I, we got, uh, we got a review this week and if you go to MacGeekCab.com slash reviews, you can, uh, you, you can leave us a review. That's the closest we can get you. There's no, like you need to click a couple more times because the way, you know, Apple's podcast systems work, but this came from, uh, Stiggins here in the United States. Five-star review. We love the five-star reviews. Great show is the title of the review. We like that too. Great show, you guys. And congratulations on 900 episodes. This show is tied for first as my top-rated Apple-focused podcast. I love learning five new things each time I listen. I am formally requesting a video podcast, though. I know there's a Mac Geek Up YouTube channel, I think, but a video version would be awesome and probably push you over the top. Stiggins, two things. First of all, thank you, sir. I, I say, sir, I have no idea. Uh, I, I assigned, I, I interpreted a gender. I have no idea. Thank you, Stiggins, for that. Number two... We're doing it right now. There is a video version. If you go to MacGeekCab.com slash YouTube, you will find our YouTube channel where there's all kinds of tips and tricks and snippets from the show that have been enhanced with things and, and all of that. And then also you can watch the entire live episodes. You can watch them live while we are streaming them and recording the show, which we generally do on Friday mornings, Eastern time. But you can subscribe to MacGeekCab.com slash calendar for that. Uh, or you can watch them live anytime after that. So, yeah, and, and even at MacGeekUp.com, you can just go and, and we embed the YouTube videos there. Uh, and so you can see them. We also stream live to Facebook and you can watch the Facebook videos live there, too. So uh, so it exists. It's happening. Uh, the show, we understand, though, l let it be said, we understand that the vast, vast majority of our audience is audio only. And so we still make an audio only show by and large. There are a couple times where we say, hey, here's a thing. We're going to show it to you. It's that's the only way to, to, to really communicate this. 
but by and but we're aware that those things are then therefore going to be lost on our on our audio listeners. So um, so ne- never fear. But yeah, there's the video version if you want it, and uh, and you can watch us record if you if you like. Uh, interact with us. You know, you can join the chat room at live.macgeekup.com when we're recording. So yeah, there's all that stuff. So thank you, Stiggins, for the review and for uh, for the request. I'm happy to be able to deliver on that. So. Yeah. Good, Mr. Braun? Indeed. All right, cool. I think we've got some quick tips, don't we? Yes, we do. So I learned one new thing. So we were um, talking about the calculator in um, uh, on iOS, where you get a different calculator if you rotate your device. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. A couple episodes ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then um, someone commented um, in the comments section for that episode and they said um and then then we went on a brief tangent talking about rpn which is reverse polish notation which is a different way of creating equations for your calculator to interpret but yeah somebody said you know ios doesn't have this and i'm like you know what let me do a search here and guess what dave the Mac OS calculator has an RPN mode. Seriously? Yeah. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, well, you know, I found the uh, the article. Uh, so what you do is, um, so on Mac OS, you bring up the calculator. Uh, hold on. Yeah, so there's the calculator. Go to the view menu, and then there's an RPN mode selection. What? Which you can check or uncheck. Neat, huh? Look at that. Fascinating. And for example, the, the the like one thing you could do. So the way RPN works is you put something on the stack, then you end so like for example, you, you can say five enter, four enter, and then times. That's how RPN works. Right. Instead of saying five times four, you say five right. and then four and then times. Right. It, you're, you're reversing the, the notation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's um, and it's kind of a computer thing. You know, it's like a yeah. stack based concept, I guess you could call it. That's so anyways, nice. command R in the calculator. And I, I can attest to the fact that this works in Big Sur at the, uh, and Monterey at the very least. Uh, because I'm still on Big Sur here in the studio. Um, I think I'm, we were talking pre-show. I think I'm ready to upgrade past to Monterey. I think the apps that I need, you know, I'm always, I always hold the studio back a little bit because, you know, it needs to be rock solid and, uh, and it sucks when it's not. And you folks know exactly what that's like because we went through some of that when we were trying to figure out which video software to use last year. And, you know, we would just have crashes in the middle of the show and it interrupts the flow. So I'm always a little more conservative about how quickly I update this machine, but I think I'm ready, John. I think it, it it's, it's a thing. It can happen. So, but it does uh, work. In big I may give it a whirl too. Nice. Yeah. I think you're okay too for, you know, for the setup you have it's, it, you know, drivers are usually the key drivers in software, obviously, but I think the software's all there and the, the drivers for my um, personas, I use that personas quantum 2626 and, uh, and I think that's going to, they, they already have drivers and, um, you know, for, for Monterey and they seem to have been out for a little bit. So I think I feel all right. I mean, I'll do a, 
I'll do my best to make a bootable clone of Big Sur. I know that's easier said than done, but you know, I'll do my best to think that I have one and then, and then I will plow forward. So cool. Fun. This is great. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's keep with the quick tips here. Although we seem to be a little slow on the quick tips, but that's okay. Tangentially. It's all good. Uh, ben brings us to, he says, uh, I recently discovered two quick tips in iOS 15's Safari. Number one, you can zoom out of a web page beyond 100% to show your tabs. And he's right. You know, you can zoom into a web page to, uh, you know, to read the text better. But then you can zoom back out to, you know, normal size. But if you keep going, uh, it will then bring you to the screen of all your tabs, which I had no idea. And number two, he says, from the top of a page, you can continue, you can pull down to refresh. And it, he's absolutely right. Safari does this everywhere in iOS does this. I remember a couple of years ago, I was complaining on Twitter. I'm like, how do I get, you know, the Twitter client to, to refresh? And I think it was Daniel Jalkett from Red Sweater Software who was the first to reply. And he's just, pull, he's like, just pull down to refresh. And it's like, oh. Right. That's a construct that lives everywhere through iOS. But it's it's amazing to me where I find these things where it's like, oh, right. That also works here. That also works here. So, yeah. Thank you, Ben. Good stuff. I love the pull to refresh, John. It's good. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, and here's one from Stephen, Dave. Okay. Um, uh, gents, there's a new feature in Monterey now that I don't think gets enough attention. AirPlay to Mac. My 2019 27-inch iMac, like many or most recent iMacs, did not offer target display mode. But after the Monterey upgrade, I can use AirPlay to extend the display of my work laptop, a 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro that has not been upgraded to Monterey. The resolution isn't great, but since I'm just doing Microsoft Office type of work, that's not a big deal. It's an incredibly convenient and handy feature. Um, I agree. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I am. Um, I, I have yet to use this in, in a, I mean, I've tested it, but in a functional way, I have yet to use it, but I can totally see where, uh, especially if you've got like a Mac mini connected to your TV or whatever, like that's huge. Makes life super easy that you don't have to, like you could do it before with third party apps. Right. But now it's, but the third-party apps are always a little bit wonky. Let's be honest about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Apple, Sherlock, people. Yeah, but in this sense, I would say it's a good thing. I, I remember using things like Reflector and, and and things like that, especially when trying to present in places. You know, you get somewhere and it was like, oh, we don't have an HDMI in, but we can run Reflector on this thing that, you know, you can then airplay to and do your presentation that way. And it was always 10 minutes of like herky jerky before it was like, oh, wait, stop. It's working. Don't mess with anything. Like, yeah, but it's not how it should be. So this one, well, at least let's hope it works reliably. I, I ha Like I said, I haven't relied on it. I haven't been in a scenario where I've had to rely on it enough to, to be able to say. So. Yeah, I quickly at one point, you know, went to my phone and, you know, tapped on the uh tapped on the uh, uh audio destination button and my mac appeared there it's like oh well that's cool that's cool thank you yeah 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 it yeah airplay is a nice feature like it, you know i think i mentioned our lg tv 
Uh, we've got a 2020 it's CX model, I think. Um, and it came with AirPlay uh, at AirPlay 2. And, you know, we have an Apple TV hooked up in the living room as well. But that was for whatever reason that that has never been super reliable for us. You know, we say go use it. And then it's like for AirPlay. And then it's like sometimes the LG TV has been rock solid with it. And it's life changing when you can be sitting on the couch and say, hey, I want to show you something. And then just, you know, beam it to the TV. And there it is not just coming on the TV as a picture, but you hear it out of the speakers and it's super reliable, especially you know, we were watching like we like to watch the the um, you know, we live in the same town as the University of New Hampshire. And so we have season tickets to their hockey uh, games because they're like it's five minutes from the house. Parking's easy and it's relatively cheap and it's D1 hockey. It's like it's great. And uh, obviously during pandemic, we couldn't go to the games because they weren't allowing spectators at the at the games. But they were live streaming them all on their website. And so. I could airplay. I mean, I could HDMI and eventually I did just start HDMIing to the TV to watch those games. But there were times where it was like, oh, yeah, I'll just airplay it from my laptop to the TV. And uh, and then that way we're, you know, golden. We're just sitting here watching the watch the game. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's good. All right. Next and up. we got another one here from our friend Scott. I found a funny Easter egg in BB Edit. Uh, go to BB Edit About and scroll down the credits to a section marked Unindicted Co-Conspirators. <laughs> About two-thirds of the way down, under Unindicted Co-Conspirators, you will find your name at the end of the list. If you click on your name and look at the last FAQ entry, FAQ entry, uh, Beerbones explains that it's an Easter egg and is your full name from your Mac login account. I don't know why I scrolled down this list, but I became interested after coming across the credits for the open source software in BB edit. There are That's some cool. great things in the BB edit. I would say that, that a good chunk of the BB edit about screen is full of Easter eggs, um, or, it, or at least nice tips of the hat to, um, to you know to the uh to lots of different people in in our community it's an it's an i mean it's it's an homage to a lot of these people but it also is an homage to what the finders about screen used to be right john like there used to be all kinds of uh easter eggs in the list of you know about this uh it was about this oh what was it called in the old finder where you'd have the whole list of, of people's names and it would start scrolling if you left it up long enough and all of that stuff. Right. That's I can't remember. I guess it was about it was about this computer for a little while. Anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like this stuff. It's good. It's a nice kind of. Yeah. But there's one. Here's a, a blast from the past. I yeah, remember man. this one that made me chuckle um, in Mac OS 7.5. Five, there was an Easter egg with QuickTime and that if you hovered over the QuickTime extension, um, it would then put up a little balloon saying time, noun, a non-spatial continuum in which events <laughs> occur in apparently irreversible succession from the past or the present to the future. <laughs> <laughs> apparently irreversible. I like that. That's good. Mm. <laughs> I think linear time is just a construct for our our feeble human minds. I, I, I don't mm. think time is actually as we have decided to perceive it. But uh, but that's a, that's for a different show, I suppose. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, speaking of, uh, we have lots of things. We have questions of yours. And then hopefully if we have time, we've got some cool stuff out at the end. Uh, but, uh, you know, speaking of, of BB Edit and all of that, the next thing I want to do is his talk about our sponsors, if that's okay with you, Mr. Braun. Absolutely. All right. First up, I get to tell you about BB Edit from Barebones at barebones.com. You've heard me talk about BB Edit before if you've been listening to the show. A, because they're a sponsor, but B, because it's an app that I always have running on all of my Macs. It's running here right now. I'm constantly using it to do things like check out a text file and tell me how many words are in it or find the instances of a word or find multiple instances of a word or change text. You know, I can I can do multi-file find and replace. I can do compare between two files, which is super helpful when you're doing stuff a lot. I love it. I can do things from the terminal. It, they have a terminal command. So from the terminal, instead of editing a text file in the terminal, we we're just talking about the terminal here, I can type BB edit and the name of the file and it opens in BB edit, right? Like not some, you know, VT 100 version of BB edit, although that sounds kind of geeky and fun. No, this is, it opens in the real app BB edit. You use your mouse, you use all of your stuff. And when you save, well, it saves the file and it's right where, you know, your Mac wants it and it's all great. And those are features that have been there for a very long time. Talking about some new features. Well, BB Edit 14 is fully compatible with Mac OS 12 Monterey. And on top of that, they've built in support for additional languages, things like R, Go, Rust, Tomal, Arduino, and Pixar's, uh, Pixar's USDA, Lisp. And they've got these uh, source code editing enhancements that come via built-in support for language server protocols so that you can actually attach to something that's going to, you know, look at your code for you. It's amazing what BB edit has evolved into. You've got to go check it out and you can have a 30 day fully functioning eval period. And if you've evaluated it before BB edit 14 gives you a fresh eval period to go check it out. And then after that uh, you pay for it or you can keep it in, in free mode, which takes away some features, but keeps a lot of them. So you go check it out. You got to go, you got to go check it out. Go to barebones.com. Check it out. Download it. Our thanks to Barebones and BB Edit for sponsoring this episode. How many free trial subscriptions end up costing you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars long after forgetting to cancel? Good news. You can fight back against scammy subscriptions with our sponsor, Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or that you simply forgot about. And they told us that on average, people save up to 720 bucks a year using Truebill. And it, this is because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And then Truebill becomes your concierge when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I've been using Truebill uh, here for a little while. You know, they they set us up with an account so that we could really see how it works. It's amazing. On top of all this subscription stuff, 
it tracks my expenses and it'll tell me, hey, you know, you spent more on this last week than you normally do. So nice to have something looking out for me. It's very cool. Truebill has helped more than just me, though. Over 2 million users have uh, helped, uh, been helped by Truebill, and it saved them over 100 million bucks. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MGG. Go right now. Truebill.com slash MGG. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Truebill for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, uh, let's talk. Well, let's talk about Darren, which will be a a fun little thing. Uh, Darren writes, he said, uh, my wife and I both have iPhone 13 Pro Maxes, and my wife also has the newest iPad Pro. We're all on up-to-date software. We each have our own Apple Music libraries, and we use Family Sharing and Apple One Premiere as our subscription. Great. And our music settings are the same. So here is my mystery. When I go in to Apple Music and play, for instance, the album Pure Heroin by Lord, all the songs play Dolby Atmos on my iPhone. But on my wife's iPhone and iPad, only a few songs play in Dolby Atmos. Not only are the songs not Dolby Atmos, they are not lossless on hers either. This happens very sporadically throughout Apple Music for her. The only thing that seems to work consistently for her is when she plays one of Apple's spatial audio playlists. I even created a spatial audio playlist on my iPhone and shared it with her and downloaded all the songs and not all of the songs are in Dolby Atmos. Like I said, a mystery. I've already tried turning things off and quitting the app and restarting the phone and hard restarting the phone. But the weird thing is that it's kind of the same on her iPad. It's like there's a problem with her Apple Music account. Any ideas would be appreciated. Yes, Darren, you are in luck because I experienced the exact same thing. I went to play songs that were Atmos on my wife's iPhone with her air, but you know, which, which in order to do Atmos, you need to have AirPods Pro or AirPods Gen 3 or some sound system that would support Atmos. Um, but uh, because you, you need to be able to, you know, you need to have something that the phone knows how to tell to do the whole 7.1 sound kind of thing. Uh, and they were Atmos on hers and not on mine. And the, the reason was I had already downloaded these songs to my phone pre Atmos being available. And so I had the, you know, probably 256 K stereo AAC versions on my phone. And when I went to play it, my phone honored what it's supposed to do, which is playing the local copy of the music. So I deleted from my phone. You have to be careful when you choose to delete to make sure to delete from your device, but not from your library. Uh, And then you can either stream them once they're deleted from your phone, you can stream them and they'll be Atmos or you can re-download them. And of course it'll, it'll pull them down as, as Atmos then and, and get all that goodness. Uh, This, this is one of the coolest things. And if you haven't experienced AirPods gen three or AirPods pro yet, this might be a reason to you know put them on your holiday gifting list, either from others or maybe to yourself. Um, my friend, uh, and many of you might know him, Robert Scoble, built a bunch of Atmos playlists because he's been totally in on this. And the first song that he put on his, I think it's the Atmos Timeless playlist, and I will put a link to this in our show notes because there's some good stuff there, uh, is The Doors, Riders on the Storm. And it's a... I don't know which which track it is or which version it is or whatever, but 
there's the it sounds great because you know that song if you've heard that song before it's got you know some rain happening and things like that and then the band starts playing and it's this very sort of ethereal thing and and uh and that sounds amazing right it's very cool and then when Morrison comes in and starts singing something I never heard when listening to the original is that while he's singing the lyrics of that first verse, he is also whispering them in a different channel. Yeah, it's super creepy. And that channel in the Atmos version is above and slightly behind you. And when it gets re- and so that's it's cool where it gets really cool is with um, with Apple's AirPods and spatial audio, you can do two different things, right? You can either have it on fixed where the the let's talk about the rear channel because it's just an, an easier way to say it. But where the rear channel is always to the back of your head. So turn your head left to right. It doesn't matter. It's to the back of your head. And then they have head tracked mode where your the front of the sound stage remains in the same place no matter whether you turn your head so it's like listening to audio coming from an external source right if you're listening to audio from your tv right john you'll if you turn your head you know what if you turn your head to the right what used to be in front of you is now you are hearing it to your left right that's that's how that works mm-hmm. apple did this with head tracked spatial audio and it's super cool uh, for a lot of reasons, but with this in particular, with this Riders on the Storm, you can like look up or turn to the left or right and start to hear this and focus on this signal of just these whispers that Morrison, I assume it's Morrison doing in the background. And uh, and it's very cool. Where else I've used this and it was freaking amazing, John, was on my trip uh, out and back to Portland recently. I brought my AirPods Pro with me on the airplane and I was watching a movie And we were on Alaska where the way their seats work, if you have like a folio case for your iPad, uh, there's a little magazine rack at the very top of the the seat back in front of you. You can hang your iPad in that. And then that way you're not taking up space on your uh, on your tray table. Right. With the thing. So the three of us, you know, it was my daughter, my wife and I, we all had our iPads like hang from these things. And the flight attendants don't seem to care, which is even better. And then I turned on head tracked. And suddenly I had to ask my daughter, I'm like, is sound coming out of my iPad? Because it didn't feel like it was in my head because as I would turn my head, the, the, the source of the sound remained fixed in space. And it was, it was a great thing for an airplane because I could feel hmm. detached. You know, like when you're, when you're listening to something in headphones, especially for like a six hour flight or whatever, or even a longer flight, it starts to become a little bit, you know, claustrophobic. Uh, I don't know if that's the right term, but that's that's the best term I can come up with. With this, it totally detached me from it. It's really amazing. Uh, they, 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 it's a fantastic little feature. And I, if you haven't tried it yet uh, and you've got AirPods Pro or Gen 3 AirPods, uh, do that. And if you don't have those, maybe maybe add them to your list because it's... Um, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. So how done. how does it know which way your head is oriented? I'm assuming they've got gyroscopes in there. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of it. You know, when you turn it on, it sets that whatever whatever way you're facing is now that's you know forward. 
essentially. And then as you turn and if I like I was sitting at my desk when I was answering this question and I was like, oh, I got to put this Riders on the Storm thing on again. Like it was cool. So I took a minute and it was like, I don't know, midnight 30 or one in the morning or something. I was sitting at my desk and it was dark and, you know, it was the, it was the right time to listen to that tune. And so I afforded myself a few minutes of, of you know, of enjoyment. Uh, and before I got back to the, you know, all the questions that you folks sent in to feedback at MacKeekup.com. And uh, and I spun around in my desk chair while I was doing it. I was like, OK, this is really cool because there's no wires. You know, it was no problem. I could just spin around. And then I spun around fast in my desk chair and the orientation got a little bit messed up. So there's clearly, you know, it's not meant for um, violent changes in your attitude. Um, if you're, you know, your physical attitude, not your, not your emotional attitude, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun. It's cool. So hopefully, hopefully that answer helps you, Darren, solve this problem of not hearing the Atmos versions of songs, but also hopefully it sheds some light on this yeah. for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. But did I hear you right, Dave? Did you say feedback at MacGeekGab.com? I did. I said it twice. I said it in the intro of the show, and I said it just then, and I'll say it again. I'm not I'm not proud. It's feedback at MacGeekGab.com. <laughs> All right. Todd has a question for us. Todd says, um, how does one uh Mac how how does one using macOS Monterey temporarily mute notifications? It used to be an option click in the upper right, uh, but now what is it? And it's a good question because things get a little different in Monterey because we now have focus. Uh, and, and that's a, the, the Apple feature that is synced and shared amongst all your devices until, until, unless you tell it not to sync and share amongst all your devices and then it doesn't have to. Um, but you can still do this temporarily. By clicking on the control center icon in the upper right menu bar. So that's the one that looks like it has sliders to the left and the right stacked on top of each other. And then choose focus in there. And then when you choose do not disturb, which is one of now many focus modes uh, in there, you can set for you can set do not disturb to be on for an hour or until tomorrow morning or or just on permanently until you turn it off. So you get three options, an hour tomorrow morning or or on. And so that is how you do it. But as I get near as I can tell, John, there's no way to do just a quick option click like we had in the past to just set it, you know, and and forget it. You've got to be a little it takes a couple more clicks now, which that's just how it be. So but if somebody knows, let us know. You already know the email address. Feedback at MacGeekup.com. Mm-hmm. See now, if we were publishing the show in in uh, in in Dolby Atmos, John, I could have that come from like above and behind them. Mm-hmm. I wonder how could we do that? Would that be fun? Would that take far more work than it was worth? So the answers to those prior two questions of mine, which were rhetorical, but I'll answer them anyway, are both yes. It would be fun, and it would be far more work than it's worth, but it would also be fun. Okay. Let's talk about something that's important, but not necessarily fun, John. Listener Jim, who has been a listener here at Mac Geekab for a very long time, perhaps going back all the way to the beginning, but I would almost certainly say to our first year of podcasting. Jim says on a recent vacation, while sitting in our timeshare room, an alert from my Apple Watch told me that I might be in atrial fibrillation. I had no symptoms and didn't notice anything at all myself. 
I checked the app and it sure looked like I was having a problem. My pulse was 160 and my heart rate was very erratic. None of this had ever happened to me before. We went to the hospital where the staff spent several hours lowering my heart rate and I was discharged late the next day. Without the Apple Watch, I never would have known that I was in danger from my racing heart and the possibility of blood clots pooling as a result of the irregularity in my heartbeats. I can't exactly say that my Apple Watch saved my life, but I can certainly say for sure that Apple got me to the hospital when I would not have otherwise gone because I wasn't aware of any symptoms. Getting there early got me the timely treatment I needed before any lasting damage was done to my heart. I got caught, he says, but my Apple Watch got me out of a bad situation. That's I'm I, I can't share enough how happy this makes me, Jim. I mean, I'm not obviously not happy that this happened, but I am happy of the outcome. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that that you you were able to get that info. That's that's it. You know, it's one of those things. We all know that our Apple watches can do this, but it's really easy to take for granted uh, unless until it happens to you or someone close to you. Yeah, that's that's thank you for sharing that, Jim. And thanks for letting us share it here. That's that's um, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. <sighs> In the Don't chat. They also ahead, John. have a fall detection feature. On mm-hmm. watch. Okay. They have a there is a fall detection and then there is also and this is actually in your phone, not in your watch. But um uh yeah, now of course. That's it. Okay. Um the um uh, sorry. You know, you, this is the problem. You pick up your phone and if you're not in do not disturb mode. You see all the notifications that I had hidden behind me. But if you go to browse and uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, where mobility on your phone and uh, go to walking steadiness, you can turn on notifications for walking steadiness and it will track your uh, your. Uh, you, you know, your your movements and all of that stuff and let you know it will alert you if something has changed about your habits in terms of of how you walk and your you know, whether or not you're at risk for uh, at a higher than normal risk for falling. Obviously, there are things that cause any of us to fall that have nothing to do with, you know, our our any medical condition. It's just, you know, we 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 hit the wrong thing and we tripped or, or whatever. And yes, the, you're right. The watch can can help with that, too. But this mobility thing, you know, it, I I don't know if this is its intent, but it might be the kind of thing that could help with, you know, detecting Parkinson's early on and things like that. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Any more thoughts on that? Nope. No, and I found a little ditty on uh, on that feature, so I'll paste that in here. Ah, uh, cool, awesome! Thank you for that. Sorry for being distracted. See, now you can see what happens to me when I when I'm not focused. When I start getting notifications, it's bad. It's bad. Some of them are good though. Like you know, it's like maybe you got to cut a deal. Ah, <sighs> all right. Let's get back to the show, shall we? Not that we ever left the show, but. I'm getting myself back in here. So, um, 
we have listener John with a question. He says, I'm wondering if you can clarify how Time Machine can fully back up iCloud Drive files. I've set my Mac Mini to optimize Mac storage. Therefore, not all those files are always loaded on my internal SSD. Many of them display the cloud symbol, while others, of course, do not. The cloud symbol, for those following along, means that things are not downloaded to your Mac and only stored in iCloud. And the without the cloud symbol, then, of course, it means that things, are, you know, you've got a copy downloaded and synced at that point. Is it possible or wise to turn off the optimize feature, let all the files download to the internal SSD, then let Time Machine backup, and then turn optimize back on after getting a full backup of iCloud Drive on Time Machine. Although my internal SSD is cur currently adequate, I'd like to use Optimize to accommodate future uh, space usage increases. I wasn't sure if switching it on and off was a good idea. What do you think? So this is a tricky scenario, John, because if you if you if he does as he says, right, and and temporarily toggles Optimize off, meaning it's going to force a download of everything and have a full copy of everything there. And then, you know, Time Machine will back those up. If you trigger a Time Machine, then that's how Time Machine works. However, if you turn Optimize back on, over time, those files are going to offload themselves, right? Like, it's just how that works. It's going to get some, back to something resembling the state that you currently have with a mix of cloud and not cloud. And then uh, my understanding is that Time Machine is going to expire those from your backups as your backups expire over time. So your current backup will only be of what you actually have. And then, you know, the, that one backup in time will march further back in time. And eventually you may not have those files local to you anymore. So I don't think that's the way to do it. Um, I don't but I don't really know what the answer is here, John. I, you know, there's the only thing I can come up with is, well, you could turn optimize off. And this is assuming that you're in a scenario like listener, John, where you actually have the room to do that. Some, some people, some of us on some machines don't right? That's the whole, that's the whole reason we use the optimize thing. But if you do have the room, you could turn it off and then not necessarily using time machine, but using, you know, carbon copy cloner or, or even just a finder drag, you know, copying these files to another disc that would be a backup that's a little more under your control because it's not going to just get expired. So you could do some analog of, of what you described, John and, and listener, John, of course, is who I mean, uh, and, and do this, but I, I don't like, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think the answer is here? Um, I don't optimize. Well, same, but you you have that's the right. you have the luxury of not doing that. Now, I don't mean to imply that's an accidental luxury. You've probably chosen to have internal drives that are big enough so that you don't have mm -hmm. to. Uh, but that you know that is, um, but that is a you know that is a luxury that that not everyone has. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know that there's an answer here. I mean, it, it you know I think Apple's implied answer would be. Well, trust us, we've got you and and they haven't lost anyone's data yet. Right. And let's be honest. Apple has more to lose by losing your data than you do. I don't mean to diminish what any of us would suffer if our data was lost. However, if it became public that someone's data was lost, 
because Apple lost their data, that would shake the confidence in the entire iCloud concept, right? We've never heard of people's pictures getting lost. We've never heard of people's, you know, documents getting lost. We did hear uh, plenty about people's music being overwritten when iTunes match first came out and it was not doing a good job at matching. And I, I think we're still dealing with the lack of confidence caused by, by that initially. Right. And so, and I say, we, I mean, we're experiencing it. The Apple's dealing with it, <laughs> but we deal with it here too. Cause we hear from people who are like, I don't want to do that. I heard about that. I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. And, and our advice even in those scenarios is very much make a backup of your music library before you turn this on, because it, you know, we don't know if it's truly fixed or not. Right. Like, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, there is reason to trust Apple with your documents and, you know, your iCloud drive and your photos and things like that, because history has shown that it's been good. Does that mean that there won't ever be a problem? No, but I think Apple works really hard to, to keep that from happening. So what are the answers here, John? I, I mean, it's one of them could be create a second user account, log it in, set its home folder to be an external drive, log that in to your iCloud account, same iCloud account, and set that to not optimize the storage. And then, you know, once a month, log into that account when you've got that external drive plugged in. I'll assume that listener John is on a laptop, right? No, he's on a Mac mini. So you know, you could you could do the same thing with your primary user account and just use an external drive and and still and keep the, everything there. But but that would be one way of doing it. That's certainly a way of keeping a copy of your photos local if you don't have a way of keeping your photos local all the time. So, yeah, there's no perfect answer. I, I'd be curious. We'll leave this open as a, a geek challenge for us all to sort of muse upon because it's a it's a it's a valid concern, at least from those of us who experienced life with computers where we all controlled our own data. You know, I, my kids are very aware of how all this works, right? Y you know, but even my son who's, you know, studying CS right now, totally aware of the pitfalls of this. He implicitly trusts the cloud. He's like, Oh, I don't worry about it. Cause everything's synced to iCloud. I'm like, yeah, but do you, what, like, what about a backup of that? He's like, man, eh, what, what do I need a backup of that for? It's in the cloud. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, he hasn't experienced a catastrophic data loss yet in his life. And so maybe maybe there is something to that wisdom. But we're you know, we're all informed by our histories. And and maybe that's not something that's going to be a part of people's like for those of us that grew up before the used computers. I don't want to say grew up used computers before the cloud. We all if we did it long enough, we experienced catastrophic data loss to the point where we are obsessed about backing up and, and having controlling our own destiny in that regard. Right. People who've grown up with the cloud. I don't I don't know that any of them have experienced catastrophic data loss. Um, it, you know, the cloud really does protect against a lot of that. I don't know. It's a, this is a there's a philosophical conversation to have here, John. It's fun. I don't know. What do you think? You, you, I mean. Thoughts on any of that? Make multiple backups. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I, right. I think I think we'll all agree to that. Yeah. Hey, um, we talked in the last episode in in nine oh three about the uh, the e sims, right? And uh, 
Oh, shoot. I guess I don't have... Do I not have Brian's email here? That would suck because he had some good stuff in there. Anyway, we're talking about eSIMs and uh, and how the... Um, I, I, my advice was you want to leave the option of... Oh, I found it. Okay, good. Uh, leave the option of having your travel SIM be on an eSIM because... It allows you super flexibility in the moment to just add one. You don't have to go and procure a physical SIM. And operating from the mindset that our iPhones only support two active SIMs at a time, which is still true, uh, and the mindset that our phones have, uh, our US based phones have a SIM tray, and then our second one can be an eSIM. That's still sort of true, but not really. My advice was well, if you have to have one of each, have your main primary line on a physical sim because that's something you can set up and just forget about it and you don't have to worry about changing it on a regular basis and then use an e-sim for your travel stuff and that was that that was true and is still my advice for anyone using an iphone 12 and prior so i suppose in the context of the show since i was giving the advice to you john of course you know any advice we give is sort of generally for everybody but i was talking about you you have an iphone 12 mini so that advice is still Correct. However, in the interest of learning five new things, there's something I didn't know. And listeners Brian and Joe and a few others pointed out, uh, Brian wrote, he says, I almost got caught because uh, you were discussing eSIMs and suggested keeping our physical nano SIMs so we could use our eSIMs for travel. After I got my new iPhone 13 Pro Max and had already moved my service to the eSIM, I remembered your suggestion and had a moment of panic. Looking for a way to switch back to a physical nano sim on my new iPhone, I found it's a real hassle. But then I found this. All iPhones 13 have two eSIMs and one nano sim, which you can use any of those two at a time. So you can only have two active, but your phone is actually capable of three sims being in there simultaneously. And, uh, it, it's true. There's an Apple support article that we'll link to about this. And it says an eSIM is a digital SIM that allows you to activate a cellular plan from your carrier without having to use a physical nano SIM. With iPhone 13 Pro Max, 13 Pro, 13, and 13 Mini, you can use dual SIM with either two active eSIMs or a nano SIM and an eSIM. iPhone 12, 11, 10, 10S, uh, 10R feature dual SIM with a nano SIM and an eSIM. So if you got an iPhone 13 or later, you can put your main line on an eSIM. And your travel line on any sim. And that opens up even more options because it means you could, when traveling, pop a sim in and you're good to go. So I may move on my phone. I may move my Mint Mobile line to an eSIM on my 13 Mini so that I open up all the doors. The doors. Opening all the doors. Maybe that is the title of the episode. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Ah, that's pretty cool. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Brian. That's um, it's super helpful. So, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Anything on that, John? Indeed. Okay. Moving on. Now, I like to doing the uh, T-Mobile trial eSIM. Thing. Yeah, that was neat. Right. Well, and that's it. I, I like to leave the eSIM open for flexibility. And uh, and now I can do both. So that's pretty cool. All right. What's up next, John? You got something? something um, you want to do Scott's thing? 
That's an interesting I'm, little correction addition. I'm not seeing. You're not finding Scott. All right. Email. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It's not there. All right. We'll uh, we'll we'll get there. We'll 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 find it. We'll get there. Um. In the terminal in episode nine hundred one, we uh we talked about this new network quality command and and just as a reminder, it's all lowercase except the Q. Um. And uh, listener Todd follows up. He says, of course, this fills a hole that the death of the network t- utility left uh, when troubleshooting friends and families. Max, it's often a good start uh, to use the to ch- test the speed of the Ethernet and or the Wi-Fi. And now I can use the built in network quality tool to, to do that because you can choose which interface the network quality tool uses. So if you're connected Via both Ethernet and Wi-Fi, which a lot of us do, right? We'd like to have Ethernet for the speed and, you know, low or consistent latency. And then Wi-Fi so that things like our, you know, all the continuity stuff and our Apple Watch unlock and all that stuff still work. Uh, You use network quality and then you use a space dash I and then the interface name. And I think it's a capital I from, from what I'm seeing here. And the interface name might be EN0 or EN1. And you can look this up. Um, The Wi-Fi interface, he says, you find by holding down the option key and selecting Wi-Fi from the menu. And you will see an interface. And it's probably EN0 or EN1. Um, He says for Ethernet to find the name of the device, you hold down the option key and uh, select the Apple icon menu. Go to System Information Ethernet BSD Device Name fascinating i had no idea that that's how that was found ethernet cards broadcom look at that bsd name enz en0 and then the one that i think is on my thunderbolt dock is en2 look at that the things we learn i like it that's pretty cool huh fascinating 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 have you been using that network utility command, John? No. All right. Uh, the um, the thing from Scott, I believe, is now in the MGG current show Evernote thing. If you would like to look for it, John, uh, I don't know why so many of these wound up. But there must have been some Evernote uh, issue on my on my Mac here because some of these things are just in wrong places. So. Like yeah, I'm not seeing it. You're not seeing it. All right. Well, that's okay. We'll um. We'll, well, let me quit Evernote and start it up again. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Um, I will. Yeah, I will share. I will share Ben's follow up, uh, which also got put in the wrong spot. So I have a. I have a feeling that there's lots of these things in the wrong spot. But Ben, back in nine oh three, John. Ah, uh, okay. I see it now. Okay, great. In the last episode, uh, we were talking about. Uh, prioritizing the bachelorette and as a backup backup option downloading from uh you know a torrent to find the episode if uh if that needed to happen and ben wrote in he said um you to to find those torrents you mentioned visiting the tv section of rar bg for TV episodes, he says, I recommend visiting EasyTV.re instead, which I had no idea about, John. And so um, that's a that's a new one to me. So there you go. 
thank you for mm-hmm. that, Ben. Uh, you know, the things we learn. One one other thing that um, is that in here? Oh, yeah. One one other thing. Last episode, I talked about a mystery power bank, John, in our cool stuff found section. And uh, listener Steve found it. It is available on Indiegogo and you can order it. And they I think they still say that there is December delivery. Oh, wait, January delivery now happening. Uh, so you can get this. It's the that, this is the power bank. It's the CIO Apple Watch and MagSafe compatible power bank. And it's the one that will MagSafe to your phone. Do I even still have it here in the studio? I don't because I put it back in my travel bag. Uh, and then also it will charge your Apple Watch. And that's the cool part is having that dual thing. And for 48 bucks, you can get one uh, via Indiegogo and then uh, it will ship to you, they say, in January. So very cool stuff. And uh, thank you to listener Steve for for finding that for us. So you got that thing from Scott, John? Yeah, it's, it, it looks like restarting Evernote. Well, I needed to put it in the right place first. Let's let's be Ah, honest. This was this was operator error. So you know, I listened to that Doors tune. I told you as I was prepping Mm -hmm. the show, and then I went back to prepping the show and started putting Mm -hmm. all this stuff in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So I'll leave the rest to everybody's imagination. Let's just leave it at that. How shall we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. All right. So another one from Scott here. Um. Uh, this is something I've been meaning to tell you about to reboot a Mac from the terminal sudo reboot to shut down a Mac from the terminal sudo halt. It's less to type and to the point. The shutdown command is necessary. If you have logged in terminals or want to schedule the reboot or halt, if you do not have logged in users, there is no need for the extra cleanup. When it comes to the non-terminal related work, they all do the same thing. So I'm going to stop you here. I I just want to add some context because you, Mm -hmm. he was answering a thing we talked about in episode 899, Uh, where I said, you know, I said that I wanted uh, an automatic way. And now we've done it with a shortcut, right? And there's a link in, in the show notes to, to the short note shortcut, um, how to build that shortcut in our forums. But the terminal command I was using was sudo shutdown dash R now, which does the same thing effectively as Scott's pseudo reboot, but pseudo reboot is way faster to type. So Scott was replying to um, our slash my suggestion to use pseudo shutdown dash R now. And he was saying, guys, you can make it a lot simpler with pseudo reboot. So that's the context uh, for the last, you know, 98 seconds of what John just explained. So thank you. Yeah. And then he continues, on both commands, you can use the dash Q option to do a quick reboot or halt. By quick, the command will flush the disk caches before doing its thing. Cool. This bypasses the signal to launch D to tell it not to stop the processes. Very so, cool. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, no, good stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, I think we've gone through enough of the uh, follow-ups that we have here. In fact, I think we've gone through all of I say we've gone through enough, and it's because we've gone through all of them. So we've got some cool stuff found to tell you about. And uh, and we have two more sponsors that we'd love to tell you about if that works for you, Mr. Braun. Indeed. All right. Hey, do you identify as crypto-curious? If you thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency but felt a little overwhelmed, good news. Our sponsor, Coinbase, makes learning to buy and sell simple. 
Coinbase is this trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell and spend cryptocurrency. And it's one that I've been using for a very long time. They do a fantastic job. They make it super easy to buy cryptocurrency, to sell cryptocurrency and even buy stuff with it and spend it. You know, and they've got this great iPhone app and Android app, of course. But, you know, we're Mac Geek Gab here. So iPhone uh, that works fantastic. I can check on things. I can, I can do stuff. I can, you know, it's all super powerful, super easy. They have portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and it, it's, they, they just know what they're doing. And this is why millions of people in over a hundred countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. So whether you're looking to diversify or just getting started or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase because for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at our special URL, coinbase.com slash MGG. So sign up at coinbase.com slash MGG for $10 in free Bitcoin. This is offers only for a limited time. So be sure to sign up today. One more time. That's coinbase.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Coinbase for sponsoring this episode. All right, Dave. So, you know, the holidays are right around the corner. If you want help prepping for your parties and family get togethers, all while supporting a more sustainable local food system, check out Imperfect Foods. Every day, delicious groceries fall through the cracks of our food system because of how they look. Imperfect Foods is turning this around by sourcing quirky but delicious foods and delivering them to you in a way proven to reduce emissions. What if getting your favorite groceries put time back into your week instead of taking it away? With the weather getting colder outside, stay cozy inside and let Imperfect Foods deliver your intentionally sourced groceries with just a few clicks. And... These guys got it covered. You know, you can start off uh, maybe with a, a salad. Um, I got a Southwest salad kit and a Buffalo Ranch salad kit. Then you can move on to the main part, main course, grass-fed beef, smoked salmon. And then for dessert, maybe you want to have some organic dates or some double chocolate brownie bites. And then if you want to, you know, they said quirky, um, you will find things that you probably can't find anywhere else. Like one that I got here is organic cashew milk mozzarella. Maybe I'll make a pizza. So right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfoods.com and use promo code MGG. Again, 20% off your first four orders. That's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com when you use promo code MGG. Again, that's imperfectfoods.com and use promo code MGG. And we want to thank Imperfect Foods for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, let's do some cool stuff found, shall we? And I think I've got this all in the right place. So uh, listener Elliot has two for us. They are peripherally related, related, according to Elliot, uh, to our recent discussion about the new YouTube video downloaders. Number one is Vinegar uh, for $2. It's a Safari extension that eliminates ads and tracking, allows video to play in the background, and enables picture-in-picture. Picture. You can also access video quality settings more easily, set a preferred quality, and turn autoplay on or off. Wow, that sounds like if you're watching a lot of YouTube videos in Safari, that sounds like a great one. Uh, thank you for that, Elliot. And then secondly, he says there are a slew of programs, of course, to download YouTube audio or to download audio from YouTube videos. 
I've tried them all since I like to have MP3s of concert footage in my music library. Oh, very interesting. Most require a lot of manual intervention in the process of downloading the audio and or locating and disposing of the video track after download. But I just found YouTube to MP3 free from Media Human. It works entirely in the background if you copy the address of a YouTube video from which you want to download and extract the audio. Or you can install a bookmarklet, put it in your bookmark bar, and just click on it when you uh, are at the website you want to download from. Optionally, uh, it'll notify you when the background download is complete. Multiple simultaneous downloads can happen, and you can also download as AUG or M4A. Uh, Stipulate the quality and bitrate at any time. Wow, there's a lot of features to this. That's fantastic. Thank you for that, Elliot. Those two seem like great additions. I've, I've, it's not uncommon that I find myself wanting to extract the audio from a YouTube video. And what I have done is, um, I wind up, I have a, in my, in Evernote where I keep a lot of tech notes and stuff, although I'm moving a lot of those to Apple's notes app, but anyway, I keep notes and I have one that tells me how to use the YouTube DL uh, command from the terminal to just extract the audio from a YouTube thing. Cause I couldn't possibly remember that incantation. So this sounds like perhaps something I need to add to my arsenal here so that I don't have to go looking that up every time I want to do it. So cool. Thanks Elliot. Good stuff. Thoughts on that? Or you want to take us to Donna, John? Uh, yeah. Donna has a couple of cool things from, uh, from anchor. So, um, Let's see. So the first one here, let's see. She's saying, my husband is a mechanic and needed a new flashlight of at least 500 lumens. Um, I had no idea that Anchor even made flashlights and ordered um, and ordered one. And we'll link to it in our notes, of course. But um, yeah, I love these things. I, I have, a, I got one at my local warehouse store uh, from Bell and Hal. But um, it looks similar. I think the nice thing about this one is that it has a, re- a built-in rechargeable battery, whereas the ones that I have, I have put um, put battery batteries in it. Yeah, Anchor's got a ton of little flashlights. I mean, if you go to the link for the one that, that we have in there, Donna sent us too, but if you go to the link for the one, like I'm seeing, you know, in the customers who viewed this item also viewed section here on Amazon – there's like three others. This is this is fascinating. Ah, very cool. I like it. Fun. Yeah, I love I love little flashlights like this. I keep I in in fact, I they I keep one in my travel bag. I keep one in my computer, like my backpack that I that I cart around with me. I try to keep one next mm. to the bed. I really we had a power outage the other night uh in, a, in the middle of a weird like rain nope. windstorm. Yeah, and and I went to look for, you know, I went to grab the one that was next to my bed and it wasn't there. I'm like, oh, crap. And so, I mean, I like I said, I have them in multiple places. I know where those places are. I grabbed another one. It was fine. But it was like, oh, time to order a, you know, a 12 pack of these things. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, I'll put them in. They're good stocking stuffers, things like this. So, yeah, fun. Cool. Donna's got another stocking stuffer for us, doesn't she, John? Yeah. Yeah. So here, it, also from Anchor, the Powerline 2 3-in-1 cable. Okay. Um, lightning. Type C and micro USB on one side, and then USB A on the other. Well, that's interesting. So, okay, so that's neat. I actually got something similar at a trade show. The same thing. It's like multi adapter. 
Yeah, it's. A, multiple, I mean, it's a, multiple connectors. Yeah, it's an it's an A to micro cable, and then it's got you know sort of tethered adapters to get from micro to lightning or micro to USB C. So this is for charging your. You know, it's not. I wouldn't necessarily use this for data, right? But it's good for charging anything with the. You know, where you're you're going from a USB A port out to to this. Although data might work over this, I guess why not, right? It should, you know, let's see, it'll do, it'll do fast charging, you know, the USB a version of fast charging. Um, yeah, it looks like it'll do data too. Yeah. All right. That's cool. That looks like a great thing to put in your power bag then, or your, Mm. your power bag, your go bag. (laughs) I don't know why I called it a power bag. I like it. Uh, all right. (laughs) Tony, (laughs) I laugh because I know where this is going to go. Uh, listener, Tony sent us a cool stuff found and the title of the subject of his email was, if you haven't seen this yet, I am about to cost you money. And Tony linked us to the grid studio collections for iPhones. And what these are is (laughs) like grid says it on their website, the ultimate nostalgia for Apple fans. They have torn down iPhones mounted them on, uh, you know, plates that that show what all the different parts did and how big they are and all of that stuff, and then frame them and put them behind glass. These things are gorgeous. They are not inexpensive, obviously, as, as you might guess. But they've done it for Apple stuff. They've done it for game consoles. They've done it for things like Blackberries and those sorts of things. But they've got... You know, the original iPhone all the way up through, I don't, they've got the Apple Watch. They've got, I think they even have the iPhones 12, maybe. Um, they've got a magic mouse torn down. They have a, a looks like a, a paperweight that is the Apple A7 processor for 40 bucks or something. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, there, he's right. This is going to cost us all money. So, thank you, Tony. It's good. We'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> Uh, very good stuff, man. Did you check those out, John? Those are pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, listener Jed has something that will save our butts in the cool stuff found department. He says, I use a piece of software that is often playing catch up with Mac OS versions. So I need to use big Sur, but not just any flavor. I need 11.5.2, not the current 11.6 or whatever it winds up being. If I was smart, I would download each point release like you say you guys do, but I am not that smart. I don't download each point release. I just save installers for each of the major OS versions. I, I, I don't have all the point releases. But the good news is Jed found a site that does. Mr. Macintosh at MrMacintosh.com. Has, it, it, it's actually a, a pretty widespread resource, but one of the things that they have are links to all of the installers for Big Sur and Monterey and I think even older things than that. So you've got a chart. You find your, you know, you want 11.5.2. Great. Go click download. It's sending you to the apple.com. It's not like they're hosting these things. Um, And there are some that are unavailable. Like if you wanted 11.3.1, they're saying that that's not available now. But, you know, 11.5.1 and Jed's required 11.5.2 is so uh, you can go get these things, and if you if you haven't built up your library of them, well, Mr. McIntosh is there to help, which is cool. Yeah, 
Good. Nice. I know. While we're uh, talking about software, John, there's a piece of software that came out. I mentioned uh, Daniel Jalkett earlier in the episode uh, in when we were talking about BB Edit. I think it was we we're talking about BB Edit. I don't know what we we're talking about, but he is listed in the BB Edit credits. Anyway, um, he sent out a notification recently that uh, version three of Fast Scripts is out. And I had no idea what Fast Scripts was or that it even existed until I got this notice that version three was out. Fast Scripts is uh, a utility to make it really easy to run and manage all of your scripts, all of your Apple scripts. You can uh, search your scripts. You can track them all. Uh, you can each script when you're running it with fast scripts gets its own high performance execution process. So you don't get stuck waiting. You can run them in parallel. It like this is it enhances the script menu in a huge way. And probably more than that, I've I'm only beginning to scratch the surface with this because as I said, it's new to me, but, uh, I was pretty stoked to find out that it existed. So if you are an Apple script person, go check this out. Of course, the link is in the show notes. Did you know about fast scripts, John? No, I had no idea. I know. I love when I learn new things that actually I will use. So very cool. And then uh, in the things that I knew about, but were surprised that it came back. Pacifist. Remember pacifist, John? Oh, gosh. Right. Long ago. It was a cool stuff found many, many times. Version 4.0 came out and it's it, like it's up it up to date it works with all the current packages and all of that good stuff it lets you um it does a lot of things letting you manage and work with and inspect package files disk images and other kinds of archives so you can dig into package files you can dig into dmg files you can look at the mac os asset catalog all of the things if you knew about pacifist in the fast in the fast oh, easy for me to say in the past <laughs> you're good to go you know you know what it did and now you know what it does if you didn't go check it out this is i was excited to see uh to see this come back around so yeah it's good is wow. good i know yeah. right rewritten from the ground up in swift five right okay i know it's pretty good it's pretty good <laughs> and uh john you know that i am a fan of robot vacuums and uh oh i didn't know that oh yeah dude Having a robot vacuum is one of the best. We live in a multi-floor house. And and so I, I this could work very well for someone in a single floor house. But the, the benefit of a multi-floor house is I can set my robot vacuum to run every night at 3 a.m. And while I sleep one floor above, because you wouldn't necessarily want this thing driving around in your bedroom while you're trying to sleep. Uh, but while I sleep one floor above. This vacuum cleans my, you know, my robot vacuum can clean my floor. Now, the problem with running a robot vacuum while you are asleep is that it needs to be able to get it right without alerting you and expecting you to come to its rescue. And that was the issue with the previous robot vacuum I had is I would set it. I set it to run every night at 3 a.m. And I would say two nights a week it would succeed enough that like the house remained vacuumed. It was really nice. But it, it would get stuck on things, in, and there were spots it would always get stuck. And yeah, you, they have this like this tape you can put down to tell it not to go on those spots. But that was a pain in the neck. Enter the Neato D10 Intelligent Robot Vacuum. It uses LiDAR, first of all, John, to map out its surroundings. 
And after it vacuumed my house the first time, I had a map of the, the, you know, the main floor of my house. It was like perfect to a T. I showed it to Lisa. She's like, how long did it take you to make this? Like, I didn't make it. She's like, but it has like our table on it and the island in the kitchen. And this. she's like, how does it know? Like, it literally can see them. So it uses this to protect itself. And it does a pretty good job. But it will still try and shove itself under my couch if, uh, if I let it. Because there's just... Every every vac every robot vacuum has its kryptonite. This one, it you know it thinks that it can get under my couch that it cannot get under for whatever reason. So, and it also has a problem. We have like you know we've got cats and we have those like uh, little cat condos or whatever, and they have carpeted a base and the base is usually just a piece of plywood, so you know half inch or something, and then it's carpeted. This thing drives up on him and that's the end of it. Like that that's even more kryptonite than my couch. It's just like done. Okay, great, fine. Well, the cool part about the Neato D10 is, as I said, I can show you on my iPhone the map of my house, and then I can drive, I can, I can draw no-go zones on there. And so I, you know, let it get stuck. I figured out where it was going to have problems. I drew little no-go zones around these little things. I didn't want it to try and vacuum anyway. And now it works flawlessly every single night. And it's got different modes you can do an eco mode or a turbo mode or even a max mode. So I have it do max once a week where it really like digs into the carpet and pulls the stuff up. It's got a, a big bucket, you know, or bin on it, whatever. So I, you know, as long as I remember to empty that once or twice a week, it, it like it's amazing. And as long as the cats don't leave like some toy in the floor, although I will say it does a pretty good job navigating around those things too. Like the, the, the sensors, it, the, the word intelligent in its title is, the is a is an accurate term based on my experience here. So uh, it's uh, it's not inexpensive. I think the list price is eight hundred bucks. You can get it for seven hundred. But it, you know, I mean, if you compare that to what you're going to spend on a a decent vacuum cleaner, and then this one, you don't have to run it. You get to let it run itself, which is awesome. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm stoked about what they're doing. They have other vacuums in the line that are slightly less. Um, you know, built for smaller areas, but still use LIDAR and things like that. So you can, you can check those out too. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. I, I'm, I'm what stoked do, about What it. do the pets think of it? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I am a night owl as, as you might know, John, and it's not entirely uncommon that I am sitting in the living room when the vacuum starts its, its, you know, evening journey and the cats like they do. They are not freaked out by this thing. Of course, it literally runs every night. Like it's definitely part of their world, and they'll like walk around it and look at it and sniff it and be like, "Yeah, where's it going to go now?" And you know, but they don't. They, it doesn't scare them. They don't. They don't. I mean, they don't try to mess with it much, but they mm-hmm. certainly don't run away from it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's fun. Keeps it. Keeps life interesting, John. But yeah, I highly recommend the the robot vacuum. Uh, and if you have a single story house, just schedule it for a time when you're not home. Like if, you know, I mean, if you work from home, then don't schedule it for when you're at work. But, you know, if you go out to the gym or, you know, whatever your schedule does for you, just, you know, set it up for that. With this one, the schedule is super granular. I can set it for different times at different days and different modes. And I can even say, hey, look, you know, for this schedule, only go get the living room or only go get the, you know, the kitchen or something. And, and you can set little zones that you want to say, 
all right, focus on this and then just, and then return to base. So if you know, you're going to be off out for only 30 minutes or whatever, they can be like, go get that. Whereas a lot of these are like, they just sort of drive around aimlessly until they think they're done. And then they go back. This one's not that it's pretty cool. It's it. You can tell I'm pretty excited about it. And I know it's ridiculous to be excited about a vacuum, but man, you know, <laughs> they know what's up. So. <laughs> All right. This has been fun. This has been real. It's even been real fun, but I, I think it's, um, it's also time to go. That's my thought. Anyway, I don't know. What do you think, Mr. Braun? Uh, my thought is if you want to Twitter us, He's Dave Hamilton. I'm John F. Braun. Mackie Gab is the podcast. Mac Observer is the publication. And there's Pilot Pete. All on Twitter. Which we all love. All on Twitter. That's true. It is. That's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Make sure you... Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate what we said at the beginning. Go to MacGeekGab.com slash YouTube. Uh, if you are interested in either the full live episodes or the little snippets of things where, and we're going to be doing more with that too. It's, it's an evolving thing. It's actually been doing really well and it's clear that y'all are into this. So we're, we're, we're digging, we're digging deep. It's good. Make sure you check out our sponsors. Of course, you can go to MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. Uh, and then the sponsors from this episode, of course, were and are uh, Truebill.com slash MGG, Barebones.com, Coinbase.com slash MGG, and ImperfectFoods.com. I wish they were available in my area, John. You make them sound spectacular. I'm stoked about them. Oh, they're not available? I can't get them. Bummer. I know. What do you think, Mr. Braun? Mm, I think I got three words for you, Dave, and that's don't get caught. Made up.